1: That is not the approach we wanna take. Um, I don't think that approach is the approach anyone in the pro-life movement wants to take, but especially live action, one of our core values is to be winsome. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, a very creative word and I, I love that that's one of our values because we have to speak in a, in a way that um, is loving and supportive and encouraging, but very truthful at the same time.
2: Kimberly Byrd is vice president of live action and a winsome warrior in the battle to save unborn children in America and the world. She tells me what has worked best to change people's hearts and minds on the question of abortion, rather than just screaming at each other or past each other, on Almost Good Catholics. Welcome to Almost Good Catholics a conversation about theology and apologetics. I'm your host, Chris Odeniets, and I get to ask interesting people who've thought about the big questions to share their conclusions, to explain what we know, how we know it, why we think we know it. I hope this dialogue may help us approach the truth and have a really good time doing it. If you'd like to join the conversation, please email almostgoodcatholics at gmail.com. I answer every single email. Uh, today, my guest is Kimberly Bird. She is Vice President of External Relations of Live Action. She is dedicated to cultivating a culture of life and ending abortion. And she has a degree in journalism from Southern Methodist University. Kimberly, welcome to the
1: show. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. It's a pleasure to be here.
2: It's my it's my great pleasure to meet you. Uh, tell us, what, what is Live Action? How did you become involved? And how did you become Vice President?
1: Oh, well. <laughs> um, well, Live Action is a national Uh, human rights nonprofit organization. And as you mentioned, we are dedicated to ending abortion and building a culture of life. And we do that through digital media, social media, uh, storytelling, and really compelling mind changing content. And it was actually founded um, almost 20 years ago by our president and founder, Lila Rose. Many Catholics listening may uh, know her name. Lila uh, started it at 15 years in her living room. Um, she was most well-known for going undercover, Planned Parenthood, um, and really showing the horrors of and evils of abortion um, from abortion clinics, um, and, uh, and has taken this organization um, many years um, to become the, the nationally known organization that we are. Um, we now have 6.5 million followers um, on social media. Um, we have over 1.8 billion lifetime video views which is a crazy number wow. but um it just shows that you know we are able to share these videos mind-changing video content in order to um encourage people to be pro-life
2: well and just the last 10 years we've seen a whole lot change so um congratulations and what an amazing what an amazing work of grassroots uh, activism for for good um, Absolutely. so I think, let's go back to the very beginning what does the church? Are you are you a Methodist or are you Catholic also? Or no,
1: I actually I'm Catholic and I didn't answer your question. Yeah, I joined Live Action um, almost two years ago. I actually came, um, as you mentioned, I was a journalism major um, and was started out as a broadcast journalist um, and then went into corporate America and handled uh, public relations and communications for twelve years um, at a corporate uh, public entity. Um, and I made the change after my my I was. On my third maternity leave with mm. uh, my beautiful baby girl and um, and just really felt God calling me um, to do something um, different with my skills and with my career and um, I'm so glad he blessed uh, blessed me and bringing me um, to live action so I joined as vice president of external relations two years ago um, and yes born and raised Catholic I went to Catholic school all my life but did end up at Southern Methodist University in Dallas um, and had a really wonderful experience there. We actually, at the time that I was there, was 20% Catholic. So it was actually oh, a wow. really good uh, community there. Oh, that's
2: wonderful. Okay. Well, then I can ask you uh, from our context what does the Catholic Church teach about abortion?
1: Well, I think that the science is very clear that life begins at fertilization. And as Christians and as Catholics, we understand the undeniable truth that God has made us in his likeness and his image. Um, I always go back to, you know, the Jeremiah quote, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you before you were born, I set you apart. Um, and I, I think um, there are many instances um, throughout the throughout the Bible that speak to that um, God. God does not wait to call us our, uh, his children he does not wait until 12 weeks 15 weeks or days before we're born you know he knew us and calls us his children before we are even formed in the womb um, and so you know it's important that we speak up for those who can't speak for themselves um, and I think we're clearly told to do that through through our faith um, what I will tell you though that's that's really, Um, unfortunate, um, is that 48% of self-professed Catholics are also pro-abortion. It's incredibly sad to hear. Um, And it's also something I think that has become more apparent um, since the overturning of Roe v. Wade last year, um, that there are those Catholics um, that believe that you know, there is a a choice. And um, I will tell you adamantly, um, you know, and I think many, many priests, brave priests that are speaking up, um, you know, on the pulpit will tell you that that is certainly not the case. That's
2: a really interesting because I bet you if we ask those people, they would say, Oh, I'm hoping that abortion is rare. I forgot what the saying is. It's like rare,
1: safe, legal and
2: rare. Yeah, safe, legal and rare. Uh, but you're saying you can't have it both ways. Uh, if it's murder, no. it's murder. If it's murder, it's life, murder.
1: Life is a life is a life, right?
2: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, the catechism says, and I'm looking at tw- uh, paragraph 2271, that direct abortion, abortion willed either as an end or a means is gravely contrary to the moral law. And then it goes on, uh, you shall not kill the embryo by abortion and you shall not cause a newborn to perish, and this is so obvious. As soon as you take a child who's a little older, for example, the ancient Spartans and people who would say, like, I don't want this child. This child is malformed. This child has a problem. I'm going to leave them in the woods, and we Christians would consider that barbaric. But we we live in a time where somehow, if it's conceived but not born, uh, we have a different attitude to it. And I, and I, I, I don't want to get too political, but obviously some of our Catholic leaders um, are are what was called pro-choice. Um, so what do you think these, you know, I'm sure you talk to Catholics, 48%, that's a lot. What would they say? What, what do you think is their? Well, I
1: difference? think that the, a big, you know, a big part of live action, a big focus of ours is to educate on the truth, right? And so I think what we have to do is fight the misinformation that's out there. There um, are many um, Catholics who don't think of this issue at all. And I think that that's the challenge, right? They say, Oh, it's not, It's not my issue, it's not my problem, it's not anything that I'm dealing with, whatever people want to do you know, that's their decision. And, um, and I would argue that, first of all, as I mentioned before, we have to speak up for those who can't speak for themselves. Um, but we also have to educate on uh, the the truth of the beauty of the humanity of the child in the womb. Um, and the media is constantly trying to tell us that it's a clump of cells, that it does not feel pain, that it is not fully formed, um, and, and functioning, um, and is not a child. And what we do is we educate on the truth. And what we find is that when people see the truth through videos, when they, when they hear testimonials, when they, when they hear the truth, they change their mind. And that's our goal.
2: You know, I feel a little sick when I read about what an abortion is. When it sounds like an abortion and a fetus, it sounds pretty clinical. It's not important. It's tiny. But when you read a little more about either the vacuum process or the dismemberment of the uh, unborn child, uh, I, I imagine that that will could change people's people's minds
1: That's a hard thing for people to to sit through right to hear that um, we have an amazing series that we released last year called what is abortion? It's actually mm. very easy to remember. What is abortion We worked with four uh, former abortionists uh, several of them, actually, I think all of them in this series were women um, who performed abortions at various stages, whether that was uh, through chemical abortion or, as you mentioned, a, a vacuum or through surgical or induction abortion, um, and they uh, they actually describe what happens in in as clinical a fashion as you can, and we um, have uh, animations that that show and educate individuals on actually what is happening and what happens to the child during the process. Um, and it's incredibly eye opening. It's incredibly sad, um, but it it has proved to be our most mind changing content. Well,
2: I, I will add the link to uh, to that below. I have not seen that, so that sounds very important, uh, very uncomfortable, but very important. Um, and I think it's so important also that it's women talking to women. You know, the last thing you want is to listen to some old guy tell you what to do about your body. But if it's, you're talking to a, you know, like you, you, you are a young woman. Lila Rose is a young woman to to hear um, you ladies talk about it. You 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 know you know. And and I was just reading this morning about. Uh, Roe versus Wade and the Dobbs decision, um, thinking about our talk today. And I think I knew this, but I'd forgotten that um, the lady who is Roe, whose name is Norma McCorvey, um, she had her abortion, not her first child, it was her third child. And then later on, she became an evangelical Christian and finally a Roman Catholic and said like it was the biggest regret of her life. Um, And so I'd like to ask you Who are the women having abortions and why? Because I bet it's all kinds, and I bet it's not the woman we stereotype as, you know, the young, careless kind of person. What have have you discovered?
1: So there are a couple of statistics um, that we constantly speak to because I think they're very telling um, in how we can support women better to choose life. So 86% of women who have an abortion are unmarried. Now... I'm not speaking to age here I'm speaking to the fact um, as to whether or not they have a committed partner um, and so it speaks a lot to our culture it speaks a lot to um, you know the fact that that women um, and men are not um, in a committed relationship making making this decision um, but also to the fact that that we need our young men our fathers to step up and support women because I think um, and we've heard many times that women who, who have had abortions have said if they, if they were supported, if their partner was supportive, they would have chosen life for their child, whether that's through adoption or, or, or keeping their child. So 86% are unmarried. So I think that's a very telling statistic. Another statistic that I think people would be very surprised with, Chris, is that 60% of women already have a child that 60% of women having an abortion have a child already. Um, and as someone who has children myself, it's so sad, um, to think about because you feel the baby kicking, um, you, you've been a part of, you know, creating this amazing life, um, inside of you and, um, and then raising your children. And so to choose, um, an abortion after the fact is, is really shocking, but that, is telling when it comes to the support that's needed um, from the community when it comes to supporting and raising a child. So, you know, I think that that tells us we need more um, support for these, you know, pregnancy resource centers that can help with uh, donations, that can help with financial support, uh, that can help families um, grow and thrive once they, you know, have more children in their family. But I will say the third statistic I wanted to share with you today, um, that I think is is very interesting, is that fifty one percent of women who have an abortion were on birth control at the time. Mm. And so you know this is something obviously <clears throat> that is is talked about a lot um, when when women are talking about reproductive rights and and, and the term that they use um, uh, and you know the need for more birth control that does not stop um, you know, a life from, from being formed, um, you know, 51% were on birth control. Um, and, uh, and so that not only tells us that, you know, that's not the way to end abortion, uh, by increasing birth control, but it's also not the way, um, especially as we, as Catholics believe, um, you know, you should be focused on, uh, not, you know, living your life in that, in that manner, um, and, um, and having, you know, and thinking that birth control is. The answer, um, and so you know, I think those are very interesting statistics. But it's it's definitely you know um, important that we understand who's having a- abortions and and how we can reach them prior to them making that decision.
2: Yeah, and for me, your second number that sixty percent of women already have a child that one really hits hits me right here because that 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 woman would have would love to probably have more children if she could afford it. That's exactly the opposite of what I would have guessed as a stereotype. Um, So that's a very important figure. What can we do to support pregnant women who are alone and afraid, who have nobody to support them and who just don't want to dare to welcome a little life into their world because they're afraid they can't take care of it?
1: I think that we are called as Catholics to, to reach out to these women, um, whether young or old, right? As I said, it's, it's not necessarily, um, only young women. Um, I mentioned earlier pregnancy resource centers. There are pregnancy resource centers all over every community nationwide. Um, they offer so much financial and, um, emotional, Uh, support to women that are choosing life for their child or helping them to choose life for their child. So I would encourage everyone to support their local pregnancy resource center, whether that's volunteering, donating um, items, uh, donating their time. Um, You know, they, they really help women choose life. Um, they, they do, you know, free counseling sessions, um, uh, free ultrasounds. We know that when, when a woman sees her child on an ultrasound, uh, more often than not, she chooses life for her child. So I think supporting your local pregnancy resource center is huge. Um, and there's many ways that you can do that. Um, we also use the term at live action, love them both Mm. love not just the child, but the mother, the father, the family, um, it's important to love them both and what you can do for that mother you're doing for that child, what you can do to support the father you're doing for that child and for that family. Uh, we have an entire series on our news site, live action news that's dedicated to ways that you can love them both. Um, and that's, you know, as I mentioned, donating items, but also being a mentor to a young mom, um, Offering, offering to babysit, offering to run an errand, providing transportation, you know, to them um, for, for work or for, you know, something they may need, inviting them over, bringing them a, a home-cooked meal. There's so many ways um, that you can help support a mother and a father um, in raising their child. It's... It's just important that we be on the lookout for that, recognize it, and provide that encouragement and support, and of course, prayer um, before you know these uh, these women as they as they choose life.
2: Do you, in your general terms, do you think these um, pregnancy resource centers are are pretty well supplied with volunteers and assistance? like we we are all rising to the occasion, or do you think it's kind of unknown and people don't think of it enough and you know, they might be giving to the homeless shelter, but they never think, oh, what about these young, young mothers? Do you think that uh, where are we in the state of the state of the field?
1: So I think that's a great question. I I think prior to to Roe being overturned, um they we may have thought that they were pretty well stocked um with individuals with supplies with donations and financial support. Since Roe has been overturned, um there's been a lot of misinformation and violence, if you will, towards uh pregnancy resource centers. You know, media is calling them fake clinics. Um there are certain um congressmen and women and state lawmakers that have tried to defund any sort of, um, government support for pregnancy centers. Um, and they're, you know, they're really, um, the the pro-choice or pro-abortion side is really targeting pregnancy centers, um, and and what we the reason we feel why is they don't they they are not pro-choice they are pro-abortion they do not want these women to have choice, um, they want them to to choose abortion for their child and and so I think um, we are lacking a little bit in in support there whether that's um, you know taxpayer support or or just general support for pregnancy centers, um, the other thing that we're running into Chris is that people believe that since Roe was overturned, the fight is over. Mm-hmm. And that is absolutely not the case. Um, to us, we feel like the fight has has just begun. That was one milestone and what is a very long journey for the pro-life movement. And so we are asking people to, you know, double down on your support for these pregnancy centers, double down on your support within your state, because that's what it's coming down to now. it's It is obviously still a national fight, but it is a state by state fight as well.
2: Well, let me ask you that question now. What is the next pro-life movement now that Roe versus Wade has been overturned?
1: So, I think that that's a a great question. Um, As I mentioned, a lot of people are, you know, thinking it's over, um, and it's not. So, you know, we need complete and total protection um, for the life in the womb for the unborn child um through the 14th amendment within the constitution um it also is you know very apparent that um each state is making you know very different laws when it comes to abortion you know there are states that are you know restricting abortion almost completely there are states that have changed their restrictions to allow uh for certain exceptions and then there are extreme states uh such as california in New York that have increased their ability for um, abortions up through nine months of pregnancy um, and in fact are encouraging women to travel there and you know use their state um, as a sanctuary state for abortions and so um, so I think we have a lot of work ahead of us I think we as I mentioned it is a national fight we have to continue to fight for that protection for the unborn child in the Constitution um, but we also um, have to continue to work with our state lawmakers to make sure that they're writing strong pro-life legislation um, and that also, that we're educating in, um, individuals and voters, because you'll see these amendments come out, and you know voters um, aren't quite sure what they're what they're voting on, and, and they'll write them in a way that's very confusing, and they're not sure whether you know what you know whether they should say yes or no, and so it's very important that we educate, we communicate with the individual voters, um, and we work with the state lawmakers to ensure that that, that legislation is um, is pro life. Okay. You
2: said 14th Amendment, which tells us that no state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or or property without due process of law. So that brings the question, have we established that children after conception but before birth are people? Does that exist in, you know, the, the, the traditions of U.S. law? That, have they figured that out at some point? Because that seems like an open and shut case. If they have, for example, for example, that, right? let's say a, a a pregnant woman is walking down the street and a robber attacks her and stabs her and kills the child. Is that guy guilty of murder? Has that been figured out at some point somewhere? Or no? It's like it's a it's a game of definitions. At
1: the, at the point. I, I would say, I would actually say you're right. It's a game of definitions and the reason or, or circumstances. Um, there are instances where there have been um, individuals who are are charged with, you know, a double homicide when they're, when a woman is killed, who is pregnant. We actually had um, an an individual here in the area that I live in recently uh, was charged with attempted murder um, because um, she was obtaining the abortion pill with, um, the intent to give it to a pregnant mother without her knowing. Um, and so, you know, there is acknowledgement that there is a life there, but it seems to only be acknowledged when the mother has decided that she wants to acknowledge it herself rather than the fact that we know that life begins at fertilization. Um, and that, you know, there is clear science, um, that a new, human being has been formed. Um, You know, there is that moment where, you know, we we have life and we believe, you know, I think as Americans that all life should be protected and that every individual has a right to life, whether you're two weeks in the womb or you're, you know, 20 years old. It seems
2: like the argue, well, let me ask you, what are the best, I'm going to ask you both sides, what are the most effective tools of persuasion, changing hearts and minds rather than just yelling about that you have found, um, just persuading people who don't see things our way right away, and I think maybe you answered that, which is ultrasounds and, and so on, but also, what are the best pro-choice arguments you have heard and been confronted with, and how do you, how do you answer those? So, you can do either one first.
1: No, great question. Yeah. Um, so, you, you mentioned yelling. That is not the approach we want to take. Um, I don't think that approach is the approach anyone in the pro-life movement wants to take but especially live action one of our core values is to be winsome mm-hmm. and I think that's a, a very creative word and I, I love that that's one of our values because we have to speak in a in a way that um, is loving and supportive and encouraging but very truthful at the same time um, and so you know the the other side we see yelling and angry uh, many of t- many times during debates and I think it's important that we're very, um, that we're kind in, in our words, but also truthful. Right. And so what we see is the most, uh, compelling mind changing content, as I mentioned, is something like, you know, what is abortion, but also testimonials. We've done several campaigns. Um, there's one campaign called can't stay silent. There's another that we just released called I saw my baby, Um, these are all testimonials of women who have had abortions and experienced that intense regret of the abortion and the, um, and and the need to share their story in order to compel women not to make, to choose that option. Um, and so I think that that can be very, um, convincing, for individuals that are looking at, at that as an option. Um, 43% of individuals who see live actions content actually change their mind wow. against abortion. And so every day we are trying to find more compelling content that will speak to an individual, um, and, and really help change their mind. And also, you know, as we mentioned, education is important. So when it comes to the, the, the best pro-choice argument, um, you know, there's so many out there we constantly hear the my body my choice argument um we constantly hear what about rape and incest and those are continuously coming up and i've heard those my entire life they're not going away um as science gets better as ultrasounds get better as technology gets better you would think that the my, my body my choice argument would change um uh, but it has not and and so it's important for us to continue to educate on the um the fact that it is a separate child is a separate body within the womb, um, completely separate from the mother. Um, although the mother, you know, is needed to help sustain the child, but it is, um, it is a a completely different person. And so when it comes to replying and responding to those arguments, we actually have a series called Pro-Life Replies, and it is a series of, gosh, we probably have more than a dozen videos, and you can find them on YouTube under Live Action's channel, Pro-Life Replies, um, and Lila and several experts and um, that we've worked with um, actually speak to the best way to reply to pro-choice arguments um, in a very calm and compelling way um, with the apologetics, the correct science, um, and a way that you can really have those conversations uh, with individuals. You never know when they're going to come up. They could come up at a family dinner. They could come up yeah. at a work event. Um, but it is important that we have those courageous conversations because you never know who you're speaking to and, and you know how many lives you can save.
0: slash nbn50 to get 50% off?
2: Yeah, what a great question because we know that a human baby can't live on its own even when it's born, right? So if you have a baby and that baby six months old and you decide you don't want to take care of it, you can take it to your fire department and you won't be guilty of anything and somebody else will take care of it. But when that baby is inside you, I see that point of view and especially if you have an antagonistic relationship with that baby for whatever reason um, and then you you haven't realized that this is a... This is your dependent who really needs you to survive. And this person is totally alive.
1: You know uh, how... what's so crazy, yeah. though, is that you hear these. I'm, I'm sorry, I apologize no, to interrupt. No good. But... Listening to you contemplate this. You know, there was a podcast recently, and I, I cannot remember whose podcast this was, but they discussed, you know, the difference between someone who chooses to be incredibly reckless during their pregnancy and, you know, take drugs and drink alcohol and smoke cigarettes and and you know, they can actually be charged with child endangerment, but yet wow. they would not be charged if they were um, choosing to have an abortion to kill that child. And so this was a debate on a, a recent popular podcast. And, and I just think that that's so incredible that there are individuals that would support a mother being charged, uh, you know, being brought to child services um, for, you know, endangering a child in the womb, but but then support abortion on the flip side. It, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't match up.
2: That's amazing. That See, that's the sort of thing where I think... The logic has to like we just we just ignore it that uh, it's you can't harm a child before he's born and then you're guilty but if you murder a child before he's born then you're not guilty that's the that's what the courts are for to solve but they shouldn't really be there making laws they should be interpreting the laws in a way that they're they're consistent that so um, I guess my yeah so I'm I'm am I'm, I'm dumbfounded by that uh, uh, my other question was. have you found that there are things we can all agree on, right? I remember when George W. Bush was asked, are you opposed to abortion? He didn't want to say I'm opposed to abortion. He said, I'm for adoption, which immediately sounds much better because look, I want you to have this baby and I don't want you, I want us together as a society, as a church, as a community, as the people in your neighborhood to help you out. Um, There's a lot of people who can't have children, who waited too long, who'd like to adopt for, you know, and I think that's something people can agree on. Uh, I often think just as you were talking about the pregnancy centers if we could just make it really easy for poor single young women to have children and lots of support and material support and you know communal support community support and things like that maybe they wouldn't be so frightened but then when I heard you say that there are political forces who oppose pregnancy centers because they call them fake clinics and what they really are not interested in is the welfare of the mother they're really just interested in abortion i find that shocking I have no idea why they would possibly be against something like that. So one, I guess two parts. One, why do you think there are opponents who prefer abortion to adoption? Just just prefer abortion or, you know, and two... What do you think are the things that we, the great silent majority, the invisible swing voter who always comes out at the end, all the people who are not on TV, but just most of the Democrats, most of the Republicans who get along well, who you know hang out because we're neighbors and we have kids and we go to school and you know we just get along. What are the things we can all agree on that we're not doing
1: right now? So those are great questions. Um, as far as why, why would um, an entity want abortion, I mean the number one I- issue I would say is greed. Planned Parenthood is one of the wealthiest organizations in the nation, um, supported by some of our wealthiest tech uh, CEOs and celebrities. Um, there is a, a lot of political capital that they are involved in and um, and a lot of money. So um, I, I would say greed would be number one. Um, there are a lot of other reasons though um, you know there there are some theories around population control. there are some theories around yeah. environmental issues. you know you could the list could go on um, but at the end of the day it is killing a unique uh, beautiful human being and a child that deserves to live. so um, so that that's, just my thoughts on, on that question, but there, that you could have an entire podcast dedicated yeah. to that question, I'm sure. Um, as far as what we can all agree on, it would get pretty dark. <laughs> I'd much rather talk yeah, to you. <laughs> um, but we do have a we do have a pretty incredible documentary on the big business mm-hmm. of abortion and some of the big names behind um, abortion. And and there are even, gosh, there are even abortion training centers that are offering to pay off med school debt if medical doctors, um, agree to be trained and becoming an abortionist. So there's, there's definitely a lot, um, a lot of money out there and a lot of support out there on that side, which is, is really disheartening. Um, as far as what we can all agree on, I think that's, that's a hard question just because I live in this world where we're constantly disagreeing. Um, but you know, I would say that we can all agree on the beauty and importance and safety, um, the need for safety for our children. It's, it's the point at which when they become a human or become a child that we disagree on, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think it's very easy. And we've seen this over the last several years through various current events uh, for people to stand up for the rights of children and the protection of children. The problem is we just don't agree on when they become children. And so I think that that has to be our point of contention that we, that we continue to hammer home because that is, is the challenge is that this is a, a child, this is a child to protect just as, you know, at, at a few weeks old, just as much as a, a five-year-old child or a 10-year-old child. Um, it does not matter. Yeah. It's still alive.
2: Yeah. So I, one, I'm surprised it's called Planned Parenthood because it's really not about planning parenthood at all. Uh, so that, that name I is. I
1: think, it's, I think that's a, a big point of that, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. And uh, two, I, I, I one of the things I, I watched when I found out about live action, I, I watched Lila Rose on uh, Dr. Phil, uh, and the person she was uh, discussing it with would not say like, oh. But not at nine months, not at eight months, not like we refuse to say at this point, this child is a child. And it it, it was really interesting because one, uh, your Lila Rose was really winsome, was patient, was generous, uh, was not was uh, it, it was masterful. It's like watching Dr. King or or Gandhi, no matter how ugly the other side gets, you just come, you take the high road, you know, and uh, it's really winsome. It's really compelling. So what I think what you've got there comes from a long tradition of of human rights and civil rights work, Um, but two that the other side couldn't like. I think that person knew that if I admit that an unborn child is a person, it's hard for me to say this is the magic. This is the magic moment because you you there's a big flaw. There's a big flaw in that.
1: Um, well, I appreciate yeah. those comments. I think Lila did an amazing job there. And, you know, for those that aren't familiar with Lila, she is a convert uh, convert to Catholicism, uh, one of eight children and um, deeply rooted um, in the Catholic faith um, every day is, is so prayerful. So I think that a lot of that, um, that attitude um, comes from her faith um, and the grace that the Holy Spirit gives her to have those discussions so thank goodness for for the holy spirit speaking yeah. through us so i and i was talking
2: to a, a friend of mine who is a, a a good protestant christian uh and she was saying that she was taking the 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 view that you probably hear a lot and, and it's probably the the purview of those 48 percent catholics who are saying like look i'm never gonna have an abortion but i don't want to tell anybody else what to do rather you know it'd be it'd be the same thing as saying look i'm never going to have a slave but if you over there in south carolina want to have some slaves who am i to tell you you so like that's that's the logic but because the child is literally inside the woman i think she's like you know you've seen that bumper sticker against abortion don't have one right and it's um I don't think that's where you guys are. I think you guys are saying, look, there needs to be a law to protect these people because the 14th Amendment says all citizens of the United States have the right to life, and you're saying that a, a child at conception is a is a person, therefore it is a U.S. citizen, therefore it has... Um, it has these rights is
1: inherent inherent yeah. human rights absolutely yeah. and we and we have to continue to fight so yes you're absolutely right we are not there we are fighting for those that cannot fight for themselves yeah. 2548 children every day are killed in this nation
2: 2548
1: 2, every day in america we're not even talking about internationally in america and and that is the greatest travesty of our, our generation um and so we have to fight for those those little ones um it, it i think it is our duty as as christians as catholics to stand up for them
2: and so we would like what, what do you think a constitutional amendment that guarantees the you know that says a, the right
1: to life, the life, and right equal, to life. Protection.
2: equal protection at at conception Correct. And what about other laws? Um, This person I was talking to suggested like, well, make sure you ask her what laws she has in mind for the fathers who are who are being lousy fathers. And I was like, I'm definitely going to ask her because I I, uh, just to add, I listened to um, Lila's podcast with the presidential candidate um, Vivek Ramaswamy. And he agreed with everything until the very end and then he said no no it's an issue for the states which i think is the opposite of your point of view you're like an american is an american it's not an american in texas but not california or you know utah but not new york so he was right along and then at the end he said like well you know we can't we can't make a law what do you think is the what's what's the live action end goal what would in an ideal world The live
1: action end goal is for abortion to be illegal Everywhere, throughout the throughout the world, right? Yes, <clears throat> exactly. From the moment of conception, but if it is up to the states, then we just need to help each each state um, to to enact these pro life laws. But all of that goes back to educating each voter, um, at changing minds, but most importantly, Chris, changing hearts. We have to change the hearts of, of Americans. So they, um, understand, um, not only, you know, is it a life, but it is wrong to end that life. Um, and, there, there's so much that needs to have it from a cultural standpoint as well. We talked about, you know, 80 percent 86 percent of women being unmarried. You know, we need to change the, the culture uh, for young people and how they're looking at commitment and marriage and and um, and sex and birth control and all of that. I mean, all of that, all of those conversations have to happen because they they all are leading to the numbers that we're seeing when it comes to abortion.
2: Yeah. And. It feels like an old topic. You and I are young enough to never have been around before Roe versus Wade, and I felt like it was around forever, and then it was suddenly gone. And I, I, I teach history, and I often tell my students, look, like abolitionism was nothing, then it was something, then it was triumphant in a generation, right? Those, those Enlightenment philosophers hanging out in the 1780s in London changed the rules of the of not only the British Empire but the whole planet about can you have slavery and they changed it in 20 years and uh, that you know humans have been slaves and slaveholders forever and a small a small group well placed with good arguments in one generation changed changed slavery on this planet for everybody everywhere and mostly because the British Empire was so powerful just like the United States is so powerful so how how do you this I'm I, I, this isn't one of my questions but how do you feel getting up and going to work every day Are you feel like a happy warrior Does it do you see a lot of like one thing I heard you guys say is that thirty four thousand babies have been born since you know the Dobbs decision that sort of thing Like do you see a lot of small victories Do you see it as a giant monster that that uh, is looming over you How
1: how, how do you feel? I think every day is different. I just like everyone who goes to work, you have your good days and your bad days, but um, we wouldn't be here if we didn't think we could make a difference. Right. And everyone that I work with at Live Action is so incredibly passionate and so faithful. Um, we know that we're doing God's will and, um, and 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 we ask him every day to help us do his will in this work. Um, but we do see small victories and we get. The direct messages on Instagram saying this is the video I needed to see to change my mind We get messages that say I canceled my appointment because of this video Uh, We get messages that say I sent this I sent this argument that you helped me craft to my friend and she chose life for her child So we we see those amazing small victories Um, but we also you know, we don't get to know uh, god you know can maybe we will one day find out in heaven but you know we don't get to know all the seeds that we've planted but i think it's important that we get up every day and we plant them it's important for us to plant these seeds and share this this gospel um, i will say that it can be hard sometimes because as we said it can be very dark very sad um, to to know these numbers know these percentages are happening around us and as you said america is a very powerful country unfortunately we are one of the most lenient countries when it comes to abortion and how far we allow women to have abortions into their pregnancies compared to other countries. So we have to change that, um, especially as a powerful, amazing America that we are. We don't want to be leading the way in abortion. We want to be leading the way for life.
2: I, I learned so much, and I honor you and your work and, the, and, uh, and everything that you and all your colleagues do over there. So thank you um for talking to me. We get you know we're not huge but we get a, several thousand downloads so I hope uh, we spread the word and um every you know every bit helps and would you like to close us in prayer or uh, uh, as we say goodbye?
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for for sharing our mission with your viewers today. Um so In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this ministry, for the opportunity for us to share your word and do your will in our work every day. Lord, we ask you today to please be with those mothers. Be with mothers that are considering abortion. Help them to do your will. Help them to choose life. Help them to feel your love and your grace. And Lord, help us as Catholics, as Christians, uh, to be able to be that encouragement for them to choose life for their child, to help the mothers, the fathers, um, the families thrive here in our nation. And Lord, please help our lawmakers, our politicians, our priests continue to to drive pro-life legislation, uh, to speak your word and do your will. All this in Christ his name. Amen. amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Thank amen. you so much for having us. Thank you. For having me.
2: Yeah, a great pleasure.
1: Nails, spear,
2: shall pierce him through the cross. Be
0: born for me, for you. And hail, hail the Word made flesh, the babe,
2: the Son. Chris Udinitz and Kimberly Bird recorded this conversation, episode 60, on Wednesday, June 14, 2023. That was the feast of St. Methodius of Constantinople, who opposed the iconoclasts, who destroyed sacred images in the 9th century. It was also the feast day of the three martyrs of Córdoba, Anastasius, Digna, and Félix, who were beheaded for their faith by the Moorish Caliph in Spain. Our music is from Josh and Margot of the Great Space Coaster Band, and their website is www.gscoasterband.com. Our logo, the image of the dog, is from a window at Santo Domingo de Silos in Spain, and is taken with the kind permission of the Dominican Friars of England, Scotland, and Wales from their website, english.op.org. I'm Chris Odinitz. Please email me with comments, questions, ideas for future episodes at almostgoodcatholics at gmail.com. I answer every single email. And thank you so much for listening. Talk to you next time. This, this is Christ the King Whom shepherds God and angels sing